Welcome to Playing for the Master, a podcast on theater, faith, culture, and other shenanigans. Okay. Well, this is the... Uh, possibly... Maybe... It's sort of... Official podcast... For Unmuted Arts... And Master Arts Theater. So welcome to the Playing for the Master podcast. Um, I'm John, as you probably know, and I'm here with Tim... But today we are going to talk about those sweet, elusive tones that are weird called music, which I think elusive. that's the description of music anyone's ever given. Uh, oh, certainly. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to talk about music, some music that we enjoy, um, and then uh, music that affects us uh, on a, a personal level, on a spiritual level that's been important in our lives. And there will probably be a really weird question thrown in at some point, but who knows? So why don't we start with telling people a little bit about our backgrounds in music. Most people probably don't know that part about either of us. True, because both of us have had, music has been a very important part of our life. We've just tended towards theater. For me, music was actually probably the first artistic thing I did, unless you want to count, you know, young little kid drawings or maybe a story, but I highly doubt that. The, there's, there's out of GRCC, they teach um, violin using something called the Suzuki method. And they would play at the Festival for the Arts, which we would go to a lot when I was a kid. They'd always play by that cool, red, artsy, iconic Grand Rapids thing that I don't remember. There'd be like a whole group of them playing there. And I was like, whoa, that's so cool. It's, it's violin, and I want to do that. And I was like, three. And mom was like, that's nice, son. And I was like, but mom, I want to do that. And she was like, okay. And then I like just kept pestering her and pestering her and pestering her so much that she was like, fine. So at four and a half, I started playing the violin. I did not realize you've been playing it that long. That's cool. Oh, yeah. I've been playing it a really long time. And I've had a weird relationship with my violin, especially in the context of theater. But I really enjoy music. I really enjoy classical music a lot. I love playing classical music. Um, lately, I've really grown to love improvising with my violin um, with other musicians, which was not something I ever thought I'd be able to do, but it's been a fun discovery. And then other than that, I've just generally sang and um, just enjoyed a lot of music growing up. I always loved the soundtracks for movies from a very young age. Um, we would listen to the Lord of the Rings soundtrack all the time and then Broadway soundtracks a lot. So, Tim, how about you? How did your relationship with music begin? It's interesting. I actually have had a career in music, which never planned, never even dreamt or hoped for. I went to school for theater and business. And um, in high school, my, my sister is a music major and graduated from U of M. And everyone in our family is somewhat musical. I played trombone in marching band in high school which was fun. And I started getting cast in musicals and, and uh, there was a real push for me to be in the high school choral performance um, group, which I was. And uh, so music's kind of always been a part of my life, but it's never been a real focus. And the real interesting thing is after college, I would join a church in Holland, um, Holland First Assembly of God, was on the worship team there and did a lot of stuff helping them with drama. 
Then our, our associate pastor, who had been our worship leader, stepped down. Our pastor came to me and three other ladies who were integral parts of the worship team and said, hey, can you guys take over leading worship on Sundays? And uh, prayed about it, said, yeah, that'd be fantastic, and kind of received uh, commission to be worship leaders. And slowly, over the next couple of years, the other ladies kept dropping off oh, the no. team. <laughs> so all of a sudden, it, it was like me and one other person were worship leaders on mm -hmm. the team. And then I had uh, another church in Holland approach me about coming on staff as their worship pastor to help them start a contemporary service mm -hmm. and also sing at their traditional service. So that kind of started a new career path for me. And then I found myself being a worship pastor in various churches, mostly down in Florida for about 17 years. But yeah, it, it's interesting because music has been a large part of my creative journey. Um, you know, the vast majority of my experience now has been in the realm of being a worship leader and a head worshiper at, at church. So um, yeah, that was the path God had for me that I really didn't expect to be on. So yeah, it, it's been fun and, and music has been a great part of my life. Um, kind of like you, it's, it's like, it's no longer really the main focus, but it's been so prevalent and prominent in my life that it will always be a part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think that's kind of one of the reasons why we both wanted to talk about it that today yeah so what do you what kind of bands and style of music do you find yourself listening to these days i have found myself placing much more importance on the lyrics as opposed to the sound of the music mm -hmm. like my preference generally for like band music is like kind of a folky feel like a modern folk feel i really enjoy that i i always enjoy rock but over the last couple years, especially, music in general has become an important part of my spiritual life. So because of that, it's really the lyrics that have started to matter to me more than the actual sound of the music. Like Kanye West released recently his worship album. And if there's one artist in a million years I would never have thought I would listen to, it would be Kanye West. But I was so intrigued by that story and what God might have been doing in his life that I went ahead and listened to that album, which contains a lot of rap and hip hop stuff, which is one of the two genres I would tend not to listen to. But the lyrics there were really powerful and did resonate. And I was like, well, I, I can feel whatever God's doing in his life through this. And I listened to that album a crap done. I haven't listened to it a whole lot recently, but I listened to it a lot when it first came out. But for me, the well, biggest thing is really the lyrics and what is the song saying that matters to me because it's become such a spiritual thing that then really matters. It can oftentimes, a song can become a prayer for me just because I want to spend time with God. But what's it saying? That's yeah. become very important to me. That's been important in my journey, too. There have been a lot of songs that have come at the right time. Mm -hmm. um, their lyrics or something about the composition touched me in a way that really brought me closer to the Lord at a time when whatever the song was particularly about, or sometimes even not. I mean, there's been a lot of times where I've come across an instrumental piece that just I really needed mm -hmm. 
a time of solace and peace at that time. Mm-hmm. And, it, and uh, all of a sudden I discover an artist or a piece of music that God really used to get me in the right place to receive peace from the Lord. And I, I, I'm a, I agree with you, being a writer and an actor and a reader first, lyrics have always been really, really important to me. I have a very wide, eclectic appreciation for a lot of different forms of music. Um, I played jazz trombone for a long time, so I have a, a, there's a really strong place in my heart and in my ears for listening to jazz, especially kind of classic big band jazz, which is my mm-hmm. favorite. I love classical music, both the power of classical and orchestral music, like classical pieces from the past. And really now I think movie soundtrack music is the classical music oh, yeah. of today. But also lyrics like you, lyrics have been very important to me. It's especially since I started my journey as a young adult with Christ and really realized that the things that I listen to and the things that I read to affect my relationship with the Lord and with other people. So it's been really important that the things I put in my ears, in my eyes, be things that are going to be good and glorious and and add to my relationship with the Lord rather than take away. That's not to say I only listen to Christian music. That's not true at all. (laughs) Um, But I do try to connect with the Spirit and be very discerning Mm -hmm. about what things I listen to. So in that regard, let's, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. So what are some favorite artists, both recognized Christian artists and maybe some secular artists that you would say either are your, I wouldn't necessarily say favorites. It's really hard for me to say, well, this is my favorite Yeah. when it comes to music, but have been impactful, have been ones that you've, um, like there's a couple artists that I know, like when this artist comes out with an album, I'm going to listen to that album. And chances are I'm going to invest in that album because I've come to trust that artist and the message that they're bringing forth. Mm-hmm. So kind of talk about some people who are like that with you, and then I'll do the same. I feel like it's going to be, once again, a pretty eclectic list. Let me throw, like, my favorite composers out there first, just to get those out of the way, because this is just stuff I enjoy. I always enjoy Tchaikovsky music. Tchaikovsky is just such a fun composer, and I think I enjoy him because I'm a violinist, and he makes really challenging violinist stuff, and his layers are really fun. Um, mm-hmm. So I always enjoy him. I love Hans Zimmer so much. His song, Burning Bush, from Prince of Egypt, somehow perfectly encapsulates the emotion that you get when God tells you something. And I don't understand how he did it. I'd say John Williams and Alan Silvestri. Really, there's just a lot of talented musical composers out there for soundtracks. As far as lyrical music and the bands that have impacted me the most... The Grey Havens is a big one, which my friend Richard Patterson introduced both of us to, I think. And they've got kind of that folk feel. They've got some pop in there as well. But they're a very narrative band. They feel really kind of Lewis or Tolkien-esque, which they're very inspired by them. But just the way that they talk about things in the spiritual life and in your walk with Christ is very encouraging and resonates with me a lot. And it's just fun music, I think. Last year, I really got into Switchfoot and John Foreman, which my friend James Bennett introduced me to. I kind of went through a more depressing time last year, 
And I found a lot of those songs were very, John Foreman's and Switchfoot songs were really encouraging and very, like, real. Like, there's still poetic writing in them, but they're very down-in-the-dirt-real kind of mm -hmm. music. Outside of that, there's some artists where there's a couple songs of theirs are, are super impactful, and I know God's spoken to me through them, but then there's not necessarily a wide range of their songs that I listen to. Like, there's an artist, Jess Ray, who toured with the Grey Havens last year, and I saw her in concert, and that night she sang... This, I think, is a cool story. So she sang this song, because it was her birthday that week, and her husband was touring with her for that one concert. She normally, or he normally wasn't on that tour. And this was a song her husband liked, and it was written on one of her birthdays, so she sang it. And she normally wouldn't sing it at this tour, but at that point in my life and in that year, it was such an encouraging song. And there's a lyric in there, because this was like right after I had accepted the position with Unmuted. I didn't know what was going to happen with that. I was really worn down from building the singer set because that was really exhausting. And there was just so much uncertainty around where I was going in my life. And there's a bridge in that song where she, who is, she's like singing as the voice of God, talking to someone who is scared about their future and where they're at, says, your eyes have not seen and your ears have not heard what I have in store for you this year, what I have in store for you, my dear. And it just, that verse grabbed me mm. and became like, like I, it, it was, it's one of those moments where you feel like God is saying that to you. And now looking back at last year and everything God did. So there's lots of songs like that where the artists themselves, I, I, I don't listen to a lot of their songs, but there's a lot of those smaller songs where that was a moment that God spoke to me. But yeah, there's, there's other ones that I enjoy, but probably the ones that are like the most, meaningful to me right now are Grey Havens and Switchfoot and John Foreman with a lot of other eclectic songs in there that mean a lot, but it tends to be more on a song by song basis, I guess, as opposed to a band by band basis. Mm -hmm. But yeah, how about you? What are some bands and artists that really move you? Well, to kind of parallel what you were talking about, I'll, I'll talk about some of classical and, and modern composers that I like. I'm a big fan of Mussorgsky, the Russian composer, especially his piece, uh, Pictures at an Exhibition. I like dark classical music, and, and that, that's definitely dark. I love Bach, mm. mostly because of his story and how the church was his patron and how he yeah. was a church musician. Um, I really did a lot of studying about him and his music. I love to listen to his music, but I also, his tend to get on the dark side too. So I, I like that a little bit. And then modern composers, uh, I echo you that John Williams, a lot of people are hating on John Williams lately. And I don't understand that because I'm like, this guy wrote most of the most iconic mm -hmm. soundtracks for movies in the 20th century. So yeah, I'm like, how, how do you hate on John Williams? Like you wouldn't have modern film scores without John Williams. Like exactly in that period in time, like before, like the Superman and the star Wars orchestral music was not, the main thing in soundtracks. And then he came in yeah. and made this sweeping orchestral sound. Without him, you wouldn't have Hans Zimmer or Alan Silvestri or any of these hundreds of others composers that we love. Exactly, exactly. James Horner is mm. another favorite. 
Michael Giancino is my current oh, favorite. Oh, that was the other one. I love Michael Giancino so much. I first hit his soundtrack for The Incredibles, I think, is the best superhero soundtrack yet. And he's gone on to do some amazing work for other films. Star Trek. And yeah. I love uh, this really, stuff. really loving Michael Giancino's stuff. Mm -hmm. So as a worship leader, um, I've definitely had some people who have been influences. Um, Paul Balash is one, uh, his music, his lyrics especially. Daryl Evans has been another one whose style and the emotional power of his lyrics. There was a song of his, You Are My Portion, that came at a, at a perfect time when I really needed it, when I really needed to see God's hand of provision. So that is an amazing one. Jason Upton has had a huge emotional impact on who I am as a worship leader, but also there, there's a song of his that I will wait for you, uh, that when I was really trying to figure out what my calling was and what God was doing in my life and, and, and was I even an artist, um, that song really ministered to me when I needed it. Then outside of that, my musical taste, just as a listener, is really broad. I love Celtic-influenced folk music. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a band talking about the power of lyrics. Uh, there's a band that I grew up with called Iona, mm -hmm. which is kind of a Christian Celtic hard rock folk band. <laughs> and they're amazing. And I'm really excited because I they're, they're releasing a 30-year commemorative box set with a whole bunch of tracks that they've never released and i ordered it and i'm, I'm very excited to be getting That's it soon cool. other than that michael card has had a huge influence on me mostly because he's kind of folksy i love that folksy guitar kind of acoustic guitar driven stuff but his lyrics are always he's always writing directly from the bible all the mm -hmm. stories are direct translation of bible stories and and that really impacted me on the secular side, Sting. I'm a huge Sting fan. Got to see him in concert a couple of times, so that's been really powerful. And I love a variety of jazz music. Classic jazz, I love big bands, so uh, mm -hmm. Tommy Dorsey, Duke Ellington. And then I also love some of the bebop jazz, so Miles Davis, Charlie Parker, um, some of that. I really enjoy those. Lately, my big ones that I've been listening to is I've also been listening to Grey Havens because Richard Patterson introduced me to them. He's mm -hmm. kind of their unofficial West Michigan evangelist, I think. <laughs> Worship band called Sons and Daughters, which mm. I really like them a lot. They have one song that I love so much that really is an encouraging song when I'm down in the dumps. I love them mm -hmm. a lot. And then there's a musician that I have followed for a long, long time whose music has been really instrumental in my journey. And he's it's not well known, but he should be. Um, his name is Jeff Johnson, and he's probably most well known for doing world music or what they used to call New Age with a flautist from Europe called Brian Dunning. And he does, all of his stuff is very biblically based his lyrics are always really he does a lot of like updated new versions of chants and ancient chants and things like that so i've really enjoyed those as well um I'm kind of with you i'm not a big country music fan there's like a song here or there mm -hmm. that i'm like oh 
okay, that's, I, that's cool. But most of the time, if I'm going to say there's one genre of music that I do not listen to is country mm -hmm. um, and say, opera. I, I, oh, can't, yeah. I can't, I don't know what it is about the way vocalizations are in opera, but I have a hard time listening to opera without seeing it staged. Now, if you want to take me to an opera where I can see the staging, mm -hmm. I love it. But I, I'm not a big fan of listening to opera, just the music. Mm -hmm. On country music, I will say I do like, like, 60s era country, like a Johnny Cash mm. or a Harry mm -hmm. Chapin. Those are two that I do really enjoy. But then those are also some where the lyrics will tend to drift back towards faith as well. Um, well, that's another thing, too, is, is folk and country and bluegrass, true. they're really, really they close. Like, for example, I would not have considered Harry Chapin a country artist right, at all. Right, folk. Mm -hmm. And Johnny Cash, I like his gospel stuff. Yeah. But I'm not a big fan of his country stuff. A boy named so, Sue. <laughs> boy named Sue. Yeah, I think most recently I'm kind of on this thing to really support local artists. Me too. Um, Joshua Davis, who's a Michigan artist who was on the, on the Voice, I really enjoy him. There's a guitarist uh, who plays a double-neck guitar that I'm really enjoying, and I'm, I just watched his live stream last week. Uh, Mark Cruz, K-R-O-O-S. Mark Cruz is his name. Wonderful independent artist. And speaking of independent artists, that, that can be a good segue to our guest. We have our first guest that we're having today, and that is going to be a local artist who just started releasing some music locally. So today we are talking to a friend who is familiar with both of our organizations. She's done stuff with Master Arts and she's done stuff with HPA and Unmuted. She's a fantastic artist, a dancer, a writer, a musician, um, really, really talented young lady. We are talking with Miss Emma Code. Hi, Emma. Hi. So the first thing we want to ask is just for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, your passions, um, and your how you've been involved with Master Arts and HPA and Unmuted over the years. Yeah, I've always loved the arts, always been kind of an actress, I would put shows on as a kid. Uh, Master Arts Theater definitely started my love kind of for theater. Um, in the acting world, I'd done a few shows before that, but Master Arts was really my first exposure to like what I felt like was quality theater um, and just Thank like really good <laughs> Christian atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. And then I started unmuted a little bit ago, just this year. And that was great. I've been dancing for almost three years now, which was an adventure joining at 15. It was different, but it went well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Always just kind of been an artist and love to create things and, I like to say that I communicate truth through the art that I create, so whatever that might be. Excellent. Before we get into talking about your music, which is really our focus today, share with us a couple of the roles that you've had in some productions over the years. Yeah. Gotta say, probably my favorite role was when I got to be in HPA's Titanic and I played Ida Strauss, um, who is the elderly lady um, who decided to follow her husband's footsteps and not um, go in a lifeboat. And so she stayed on the ship with him um, and they ended up 
dying on the ship together, I guess, which is... That was a powerful story. I loved you and Sam Wilson in those parts. You were fantastic. Yeah. It's definitely one of my favorite roles. Horizons of Gold was my first show at Master Arts, and I was netty, and I absolutely loved that. It got me stuck there because I couldn't leave after that role. Um, I pushed yeah. you. I was your director in that, and I, I really pushed you in that show. I remember because I was like, okay, you have to be flirtatious, you have to be, and you were, you are not that. So it no. was a real challenge for you, but uh, we got to see some really fun stuff come out of you in that role. Yeah, that was, that was exciting. I feel like I grew a lot during that, that time. Yeah, pushed me in a lot of ways though. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, let's see. I was also in Father Knows Best, actually with John at Master Arts, which was really fun. Yeah. I got to play Betty. So yeah. Lots of other roles, ensemble roles, and like fiddler, and yeah, lots of great shows over the years. So, Emma, at what point did you start writing songs? Has that been something that's kind of been there through most of your life, or did it start more recently as you started to do more exploration into like who you were as an artist? Sure. Yeah, I started writing songs at 10, and obviously the quality depth caliber (laughs) of songs has changed since then. I think the first song I wrote, I was sitting in our car waiting for my parents to stop talking to people at church, and I had my guitar (laughs) with me in this car, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to write a song. They're going to get here and have a song written. So I, I wrote my first song. I have no idea what it was. I don't know if I still have it or not. <laughs> I don't remember it being that great, but I really enjoyed that process and decided I was going to keep doing it. And so, yeah, I've kind of continued since then. Um, it really hit high once I started having issues with like chronic illness um, and Lyme disease. So that was around like 15 probably was when I really started writing more seriously, like as almost a way of praying and getting those emotions out. Yeah, that was my biggest outlet, I guess, during that time. So basically what I'm hearing is parents, if you want to help your children discover their calling, leave them in the car, um, crack the window so they don't die. But if you talk to people for like hours and you go back in the car, you will have discovered what your child will be for the rest of their life. So. Perfect. (laughs) Well, no, no, don't do that. (laughs) That's bad. Don't listen to Tim. He's not the only one here who's a parent. That's true. He is. Um, Anyway. Uh On the one hand, though, that does lead me to a question. Um, You know, I do believe that it's giving artists space to discover who they are to learn what their passions are and what their voice is, mm-hmm. especially in music. Because like as an actor, a lot of times you're trying to find another character's voice. Yeah. Where in music, especially in songwriting, you're trying to find your own voice and how to express something that's coming out of you personally. So I have two questions for you. First is you're still pretty young compared to me anyway, how has your family or your friends or your parents, maybe specifically coming off of um, John's instruction, um, 
How have they informed or encouraged your journey to become um, not just a songwriter, but now you're a recording artist? Yeah, I'd say it definitely started with my parents. They were always super supportive of anything, you know, I mean, quality that I wanted to do. Um, and they always pushed me to do things that would bless other people and encourage other people. So that was kind of good to have like that initial, like when I started thinking about like, maybe do I want to start recording? They were like, yeah, we can do that. But like, you have to keep, you know, your focus and you're doing this to glorify God and to bless other people. So I think that was really great to like have their kind of guidance and direction as far as, you know, making sure you don't get off track and starting to make it more about me. But yeah, more when I was just writing songs, I know they would encourage me to like find different ways to share them with people, even if it wasn't recording. Like there was a pageant a while back in our hometown. My mom was like, oh, you could do this like pageant and play your songs. And then all these, you know, maybe non-believers or whoever would be coming to this pageant would hear the music and, you know, maybe that could bless them or, you know, plant a seed that could be watered. So I think just things like that were, you know, they just thought of opportunities or were kind of on the lookout for me for different things. That's been really helpful. So you've now, I think it's three songs that you've had released. Tell me a little bit about the process that you've gone through um, first of all, to actually get music released, which, you know, there, that, there's a whole music industry craziness going on right there, right there that I'd love to hear how, you, how you're navigating that and who's helping you. But then also, there's, a, there's something about writing songs for yourself. And then there's this whole other challenge and uh, conversation with the Lord about taking songs that, and, and especially having heard your songs, most of them are very personal prayer type songs. Yeah. Um, and I imagine that most of them probably came out of things in your own life that you were struggling with and that birthed the, the song and the lyrics. But then there's all of a sudden taking something that's so very personal and making it available, well, in the world we're in today, to absolutely everyone on the planet. Talk a little bit about both the, just the, um, the business side of it, about taking, getting your songs out on iTunes and Spotify and things like that, and, and that process for you, but then also the process of being able to take these things that are so inherently personal and share them with, with the masses. Yeah. Yeah, so the first person talking about recording um, who really started helping me record my music and get it out there was a friend of my brother's, actually, um, Zach Rumley, and he's got a studio um, that he works out of from home, so he's able to keep his costs low. Um, so, yeah, he just started recording me with my first song here with me and just to see how it was, and it went really well. <laughs> I remember sitting in the studio with him as he was like playing with different stuff. And he's like, does this sound good? Does this sound, do you like this sound? And I was like, that one and that one. And like, all of a sudden you could kind of see like what had seemed so like, oh, this is just me and a piano. Like it became more than that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was still very much like the same meaning and the same idea that I had for the song. Cool. So that was really cool. Um, and he's done a great job with uh, kind of helping keep my vision 
and whatever vision I had for the song, or if I didn't have a vision, he's very creative and able to help me come up with new ideas or like, what, what if we made this one kind of bigger? Um, so like with Weary, he did a lot of the more technical stuff and it sounded so great, turned out so well. So then he's also done some more of the management side and like trying to get it onto our playlists on Spotify so more people can hear them. So yeah, he's been a great help. I feel like I really haven't had to navigate that whole technical management side too much. Um, cool. Mostly making decisions as far as like what I want to record next and stuff, which is really kind of nice because yeah, don't know if I'm quite the management type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember as far as music being a very personal thing, at least when I first write it. Yeah, thinking about Weary in particular, that one is a very raw and honest sort of look at how, you know, life is. And it's the reality that life is hard for, I think everyone, I don't know. I don't have <laughs> my life to go off of, but I think everyone's life is hard. <laughs> so yeah, that one was hard because you had to be raw and like getting in the studio when there's other people around you and you've got like a mic in front of your face and you're trying to figure out how do I sing it the same way that I do in my room when I'm completely broken and just trying to express this to God. So that was a process of learning kind of how to still drop those, you know, barriers and be vulnerable even when, you know, my mom and Zach are sitting in the other room watching me and listening. But yeah, I think that was something I always wanted with my music is to be that kind of relatable music, but still God-centered because I think there is kind of a shift in some Christian music now um, where it's becoming very me-centered and like, yes, I have problems in my life and that's totally valid because we have problems, but then it becomes kind of more about like, what can I get out of it instead of like, there's hope because of Christ and that's the most important thing to focus on. So yeah, I've just kind of been aiming to serve my listeners with that honesty and hope both at the same time. Beautiful. So, yeah. So I have a question, not of your own music, but in general music, because I also like strongly, strongly relate to that idea of like music being a way to connect to God in prayer. I would say like the biggest use that I, the, the the most amount of time I spend with music is me in the car or I'm at work and I'm able to put in headphones or something and I'm trying to connect with God and using it as a prayer or that and the songs that have impacted me for that reason. Mm-hmm. Are there songs or artists for you that are really important with your walk with Christ or at times have helped you express something or put something to words that you haven't really been able to before without music? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Weird thing about me, I'm not a huge music listener, which is like, I feel like doesn't make a lot of sense. And it's probably not that great because probably helped me. Right. (laughs) But anyway, that's another story for another day. Um, But I do remember like what my parents would always listen to, especially when I was a kid. And, you know, my dad would get the tapes out and put them in the little tape player because we were the old fashioned family. Um, but he would listen to like a lot of Stephen Curtis Chapman, who I know has been through so much pain in his life. Mm -hmm. He and his wife lost their daughter when she was, I mean, very young, probably like four or five, I think. 
And so always hearing his music, I feel like, you know, he does have those more like upbeat kind of spunky fun songs, but then he also has like the more serious and thoughtful and like you can tell he's just been through deep pain. Um, and I feel like I, I think Danny Goki is another artist who I think lost his wife, maybe. Um, and you can just hear like in their voices and the way they sing things and the way they say things like they've been through deep pain, but they are still learning to glorify God through that. And it really just reminds me of Job and how he went through all that suffering, but he still learned to praise God through all of that and say, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So yeah, yeah, definitely those two. I'm sure there are so many more <laughs> who've been through hard things, but yeah. So I asked this of Tim last week and in the last oh, five no. minutes, I've decided that I'm just going to ask every guest this, which is going to be great at some point. So if you could have one fruit-based superpower, what would it be? Fruit-based? Yes, like the food. Ooh, that is an excellent question. I think it's like so one of the best. Fruit-based as in like... Like, like oranges, like, apples, bananas. But like you can uh, grow them? Or, or like you have like... It, just a property of the fruit becomes your superpower. Either. Yeah. It's open to interpretation. I didn't think it through very well. Okay. Um, what's that? What? Hmm. Isn't there like a super spiky fruit? What's that one? Pineapples. Oh, well, that's pineapples. true. Pineapples. I was thinking of another one, but yeah, spiky fruit. Dragon Probably fruit? pineapples. We'll call her, like, we'll, we'll just be like spiky fruit. Yes. So thank you for like this spiky fruit woman. <laughs> yes. Fruit. So I would be able to throw pineapples and grow them out of my hands at will. Just impale them wow. on bases. Yes. You have like thick spiky armor on. Yes. Be awesome. That'd be really cool. All right. There we go. You can tell who's the shenanigans in this. In this <laughs> okay. So first share with us what your plans are as an artist. Are you going to keep recording songs? You keep uh, putting them out there. I know you're heading to school in the fall. Tell us a little bit about that. And then lastly, any words you of advice you have for people who are trying to discover their artistic call? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so as far as plans go, I'm uh, going to keep recording as much as I can kind of have another song in the works. It's a big one. Yay. So it's taken a while trying to get a lot of people in on that, which I'm super excited about uh, to be able to finally announce whenever it's ready. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited for that. Thinking about recording an EP here at some point. Don't know exactly when that'll be, um, but probably most of that will need to happen before I go um, to school in the fall because I'll be out of state. So it'll be little hard to record if I'm down in Florida. So um, yeah, I guess that's mostly my plan as far as recording. And then I'll be down at college and probably writing a lot of music and ready to record more. Probably it breaks when I come back. So yeah. yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm excited. Um, also writing a blog right now, trying to get that Ooh. up and running. So that'll be here shortly. Um, and probably be sort of my hobby at college. So, yeah, 
And then just as far as, you know, thoughts for those who want to find their calling with whatever arts they're in, I would say just don't resist when he's calling you to something. And it's very easy, I think, to get, at least for me, to get in my own head and be like, well, maybe he doesn't really want me to do it. And you just kind of do these mental gymnastics, like, does he really want this from me? Or maybe, maybe it's just me that's coming up with it. Um, and don't apologize for the heart and the message that he's, you know, given you. If it's, uh, if it's in accordance with what the Bible says and what's in his word, that that's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, I remember I went through a hard time last fall and oddly enough, I was going to purchase a car because I had crashed my other one and the lady I was buying the car from just looked me straight in the eye and she said, you know what? She's like, I don't like to do this. She's like, I believe God is giving me a word for you. And I was like, okay, that's weird, but okay. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, do not be ashamed of the heart that God has given you. Mm. And like, that was exactly what I needed to hear in that moment because of everything that I had been struggling with. Like, yeah. I, I cannot be ashamed of the message and the heart that God has given me for him and for his word. And so I think while that was something she said to me, I think that applies, you know, to anyone who's seeking to love God and share his word. Absolutely. And, yeah. Give his love to the world. So, yeah. I love the way how God speaks to us exactly in the way we need to hear it at the moment we need to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Emma, for sharing time with us. Um, I'm almost certain that we're going to have to touch base with you again in the future w- with uh, all the songs you're doing and, and how, where life takes you. And we I would love to now. talk about your blog when you get that started. So yes. we got like the end yeah. where she becomes famous. We, we, we've got her on the podcast now. That's she right. We, we were the first ones. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you guys so much for having me on here. It's fun to talk. Thanks, Emma. Take care and God bless. Thanks, you too. Awesome. So that was, I think, a good interview. Thank you, Emma, for stopping by. That was really Yeah, thanks, Emma. So, Tim, I want to ask you a question. As musical theater people, do you have any musical composers or lyricists whose stuff you enjoy the most? I'm curious. Do you have any that, like, "This this is my guy. If he does a musical, I want to hear it. Wow. This is going to surprise people? I don't. I don't. I'm not really a big musical theater fan. <gasps> I I love the musical composition style of Alan Menken. Mm-hmm. The Disney musicals that I kind of uh, cut my teeth on. I love his musical style. Almost, if you, if you show me a musical where he wrote, composed the music, I will probably listen to it and probably enjoy it. But as far as like you know, Stephen Sondheim, Tim Rice. Uh, I really, I, it's more, for me, if you're going to get me involved in a musical, it has to be about the story. Mm-hmm. I respond to story first. I'm not a big music, I'm not a musical theater fan for musical theater's sake. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say, oh, it's a musical, so I love it. No, it's not me. It's really got to be about the story and how the music fits in the story. Mm-hmm. So, actually, my answer to your question is no. I, I don't have a favorite 
musical theater composer or team for that matter. Mm -hmm. How about you? Probably the same answer, actually, <laughs> which is not what I was expecting. We're just going to subvert expectations. No, I, I think I would echo what you said. The story is really what's the most important. Well, a really good example of that is Les Mis. It is a fantastic story. Absolutely. It's one of the most redemptive, awesome stories I've seen put to stage. And it's one of the few Broadway Grand Rapids shows I've actually seen. It might be the only one because it's Les Mis and not because, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it's Les Mis, but because it's just such a beautiful story. Like, I'm with you. There's some composers where I'm like, oh, I, I like the, the, the lyrics or the, the music that they have. Like, I like the styles of Alan Menken or Stephen Schwartz at times. Um, and I do like, like the classical feel of musicals like Fiddler on the Roof or Man of La Mancha. But I would agree the story is really what makes it. So, cool. So next time, we're going to try and do a silly episode. Mostly shenanigans. Yeah. I don't know what that's going to be, because for those of you who know my brother, my plan is to get my brother to pick a topic for us, which Tim is so looking forward to. <laughs> it's going to be great. I want to go on record as saying this idea is being forced on me. <laughs> it I, is. I'm not necessarily <laughs> fully on board with it. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, if you want, once again, leave us feedback if you want or reviews on the iTunes or the Spotify's, let us know what we're doing good and what we're sucking at. Uh, throw criticism our way. Tim and I love being told what we're bad at. So please tell we us. We do. We love it so much. Yeah. Very much so. If we're not being emotionally hurt each day, then our lives are boring. So, <laughs> wow! Why do I all of a sudden have this feeling? It's like all of our friends are going to be. Well, we need to emotionally hurt them because they need that daily. Thanks so we much. We need Sean. that. We need that affirmation of tearing us down. Right. But yeah, thank you guys for listening, um, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Playing for the Master, a co-production of Unmuted Arts and Master Arts Theater, both out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our theme music is Rondo Giocoso, a piece written and performed by Richard Sertia. Our podcast is edited by Tim Van Bruggen. The views expressed by the hosts of this podcast are completely their own and may not reflect those held by the organizations as a whole. If you have any comments or suggestions for topics you'd like to hear discussed, please email them to director at masterarts.org. Thanks for listening.